Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined by my co-host, Shift Manager, and, uh... Inspector? I was just, we'll I was, leave it at that. I was wondering what I would character I was going to be for this movie. Alex Dandino. <laughs> the endowed to my my podcast hosting, Alex Dandino. Uh, all right, guys. Those of you who uh, have been with us all month, you know this month's theme. The pod is held captive. Second half of the month's theme. The second half. Yeah, we did two themes this month. So the second theme this month, the pod is held captive. We've had some... Some fun, cheeky adventures. Uh, this is this one's a little more serious uh, than I remembered when I chose it, uh, but I still stand by the fact that this is a fucking amazing film, uh, and that film is Compliance. Uh, again, guys, for those of you listening, if you love the show and we hope that you do, please take a second and leave a rating and review, especially if you listen to us on Apple Podcast app. That helps us out enormously. Uh, you can find us on any social media you're on. We're really active on Twitter, at Film Alchemist, number one. Uh, get at us on there. Email the show, filmalchemistpod, uh, at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys. I do. Ideas for movies to cover, uh, other people you would love to hear on the show as guest hosts, themes, anything, guys. Uh, we want to hear from you. Also, you can now see our faces uh, and hear our voices. At YouTube, uh, channel is called Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. All right, Alex, business out of the way. Yep. Compliance. Had you seen this movie before this viewing? Always skipped over it. Don't know why either. Just never really wanted to watch it. And then I started researching it when you brought it up. And I'm like, now I'm glad I skipped it because I really, really, really want to see this movie. But also I'm glad I had not seen it previously at all. It is a a strange film, and I, I was saying this on the Instagram Live. What is really strange about this movie is how I saw it in theaters, right? Really small run. I saw it, I think, I think in Los Feliz, maybe, right? The little three-screener over there. Yeah, it was 2012, so yeah, you would have been yeah, Los Feliz. Yeah, so it was years ago, right? I watched it and just remember, like, wow, that was a really intense kind of a thriller, right? Like... The, the depravity that exists in all men, right? This is really sad. I watched it now uh, in the context of what has been happening and our awareness of these kind of scenarios, I guess. Not even this scenario specifically, but just kind of abuse in general. And I was gobsmacked because I had forgotten how hard this movie goes. Yeah. I thought it, like, I remembered the, the kind of strip search elements and some of that. And then it just keeps going. And it, because that's what is crazy about this movie, the, the hey come into the office, a police officer is called. That shit's like fifteen minutes into the fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, there's another hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> I mean, this movie's intense on a lot of levels for a lot of different reasons. Chief of which is this actually happened, which I think yeah. is the prevailing. And this, this is an important caveat because yeah. we looked it up because I was reading about like early test screenings and. This was really angering to women, uh, obviously. Like, I can imagine that. And one of their other critiques that we'll try to talk about later in the show is that the women characters don't have any second guessing and are too compliant. I don't know that I agree with that, but, you know, hey, I can see it. Yeah. The other problem is that 
they said women were actually standing up and screaming bullshit at the screen. Uh, I actually went back and I, I found the old 60 Minutes interview. Mm-hmm. This is exact. I mean, not exactly. It's not a beat for beat, but right. the most heinous things that you're like, there's no way that happened. Right. Those things happened for sure. Yeah. I've, the jumping I've, jacks, the spanking, the BJ. After, like, it's, it's insane, but that really fucking happened. After you talked about, after you announced the docket for the staff of the month, and I went and looked this up, and then today even I read like four different articles just to verify facts and stuff. Because even though this is based on a true story, I still literally shouted at my television bullshit. Like, I'm like, there yeah. is no fucking I way. I had seen it before and knew it was true, and I did the same. Like, when it got to the blowjob scene, and I was like, like get no the way. fuck out not of here. Not a fucking chance. I was like, no chance. fucking no, no. chance. Absolutely not. Like, that's, like, the crazy thing about this movie is I was gobsmacked the entire time by, like, the tenacity to follow orders. It's so weird. See, I don't. That's that's where I think this movie is fascinating. And I know it will be wildly uncomfortable for a lot of people. And I totally get what people us. would say. <laughs> yeah, fuck this movie. I'm not really that interested in spending time with it. Yeah. Sure, I get that. Uh, my favorite book of all time is Lord of the Flies, right? I love any movie that says, hey, let's say that you just get a little wall of separation, right? So in this 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 movie to me is Lord of the Flies, right? You get a little separation, right? You go to that back island. Right. The world outside is busy. They're constantly cutting out to people just fucking mowing down double cheese. You know what I mean? Living life. Right. They're out there, you know, glad-handing customers. <laughs> we cut back to this little office, right? And it is mm-hmm. its own little island. And how this is what I think is crazy is people, I think people scream at the screen in movies like this because they're like, not me. Not fucking yep, me. Absolutely. And what, what I love are stories that say we all think that we're these very heroic, noble creatures that always make the right choices. Right. And this is saying that in the right circumstance, the the I think the way you would phrase it, right, is like not rocking the boat. I think most people just want to get about their day. Yeah. Not rock the boat. Not, you know, fuck around. And what this movie really does that I think is just fucking masterful a uh, combination of visual storytelling and screenwriting is how well it sets up these small little festering mental wounds that set this subliminal stage to where, yeah, you could see how there's this mistrust in these things. So I think, I think that's where the, the interesting part of the story lies is that I don't think that the main lady is this just horrific fucking horrible monster. No, I She's mean, just a lady who, who couldn't, escape the trap i think that's the terrible thing and i think that's the really tough thing because ann dowd is so good as this person who's just put in a spot man like yeah for sure i mean that's like the thing is like and again like you want to think you'd let cooler heads prevail and you'd listen to a phone call where someone literally was like yeah you're gonna have to strip search this person yourself like uh but like would you because i want the entire movie i sat there and i'm like because like, look, I'm I'm not necessarily I'm not some rebel without a cause. I'm I'm a cog in the machine like anyone else. Like so, I sat there. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. In general, I'm a pretty decent rule follower, and I don't you know I don't necessarily <laughs> step step many toes out of my line. Would it's I? So funny because when I was watching it, I was like, this is a perfect me and Alex movie. Because <laughs> I am so much more. I I hate all systems. I hate all authority. <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck this, yeah, woo. I think. But I was like, but when I go to work. Yeah. I also am one of those guys. I'm like, hey, man, I signed up to do a job. 
Exactly. But this is this, but this is, is the beyond. thing where it's this is beyond. Yes. And I oh man, but this is what I love about this movie, right? And this is the thing. And Dowd, they cast her, and she's so good as this kind of villainous role when she gets it. Mm-hmm. This one, they didn't do that. They cast her. Because if you watch the 60 Minutes, that lady is stone cold, and you fucking hate her guts. You're like, this bitch. Because she still, she doesn't take the time to really apologize. She's like, well, I can't take away from what happened to her. That stinks. But, you know, right. I did everything as best I could. And you just hate her through the screen. And Dowd has such a charming like you know that lady we've all worked with that like when oh, yeah. i used to work at movie theaters fast food restaurants you know the, the older lady who's just she's there to please she makes the small talk really well mm-hmm. uh you know she's just this kind of warm person but also Anne dowd is there's a bit of the, her character where you can tell that she's not where she wants to be and there's this this subliminal you know, worrying about losing what little she has, wanting more. Mm-hmm. And that plays into this, right? Because when he calls on the phone, there the only thing he has to say is that, oh, I have the regional manager with me. And she immediately complies, right? Because right. she knows, again, brilliant screenwriting. She knows there is a problem with the freezer that she's going to get shit for. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to get fired. She wants the guy in the truck yells at her, right? This is what your fucking job is to manage. Manage. So she has this subconscious okay i'm gonna handle the scenario uh robert's here and and in a way right he's the secret shopper that she's been afraid of all night robert's gonna see how i deal with this theft right and so you see these little cogs of and this is what i love right is slowly inching what is that they always say uh if you put a frog in a pot of water and you start boiling it yeah the frog won't jump out because his body temperature slowly rises he doesn't realize he's cooked and that's how this situation in the movie unfolds. I mean, yeah. I mean, the frog the frog analogy probably is the best way to look at it. I mean, Anne Dowd does not realize what's going on because she's already had a shitty morning. Like, it's the perfect like it's the perfect storm of things that because you and I have been like we worked uh we worked out an art department we worked on art department at a show for ABC, which might have been one of the most thankless jobs either of us have ever had. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that's true. But it was a job (laughs) and we constantly were trying to get ahead and we were constantly trying to get more money, constantly trying to get more hours. We were constantly having to fight for that kind of thing and constantly considering quitting every day. It was like this really weird, toxic environment. And every day someone pushed me to the edge. Every day someone pushed someone to the edge. Like I remember you and I having conversations at work. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Should just fucking just fucking leave right now. Like. That is exactly what Ann Dowd's character has to deal with in the first, like, 14 minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. And then at minute 15 is when things just pop right off. And, like, to the point right. where you're like, that this is the first, like, eyebrow raise. And this is actually something that, because we talked about this before the show. And, like, we, we can't, these, the, we're, we're, we're two men having this conversation about what ostensibly yeah. is kind of, like, combined male-female sexual assault. But what I would say is, I th- I thought about this. If I was Ann Dowd, like if it was if it was think about it, it was gender switch. Like if it was a man doing it to another man, I guess I probably would think I'd still think it was weird. But like there is yeah. something about that. Like maybe if a man is asking me to strip, asking me to strip for a strip search, there is something different yeah. there. Like because I'm tr- I was trying to like. like 
rationalizing yeah. this is so difficult because it seems well, so weird. In my brain, right? And this is the thing. We're larger than average white men, right? Like, we right. just... I remember my wife telling me once, we lived in Hollywood, and she was talking about she wanted to jog, right? She worked at nights. Mm-hmm. So, like, her schedule was just shifted to nights. So, like, her chance to run sometimes was in the dark. And she used to take our pit bull, and it was this whole thing. And, like, you know, one time she had to stop and explain to me. She's like, do you know how fucking scary it is to go jog? I'm like, yeah, that's why I don't do it. I'm fat. I get sweaty. I'm out of breath. Like, you know, what if I need a snack halfway through? And she's like, no, you fucking moron. She's like. She went out one night, and there was just a guy who decided he was going to, like, live in our bushes, right? Mm -hmm. And she described this scene about how he kind of lunged at her, and she sent me out to, like, go. I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, fist fight this poor homeless guy? But then also he, like, is going at. So it was, like, this, like, confluence of tragic situations. Right. But she's like, when I go outside, I never know. Someone could be waiting to jump. And I was like, that's crazy because I've never thought that once in my life. Like, right. one time we got jumped in Hollywood walking back from the arc light at night, and we were arguing about a movie, right? I was, like, arguing with my wife about a movie. This guy came up, asked us for money. I was like, I don't have any. Little, tiny, scrawny guy, but he was wearing, like, a triple XL Tweety Bird shirt is all I remember. Right. And I was like, sorry, man, I don't have any. And we just walked past like it was nothing, which happens all the time in Hollywood. All the time. And I just heard the line, you think you're the only one who can be happy. And my wife, Amy, goes... Josh, Josh, Josh. And she took off running. And I stopped and I'm like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? And I looked around and it didn't dawn on me. Till I, and then thankfully something else drew his attention. He ran across like the busy street, almost got hit by a car. It didn't dawn on me until like a minute later when I stopped like processing my movie debate. He pulled a gun on me. He had pulled a fucking gun on me right on Hollywood Boulevard. And I had no, it just never processed to be in danger. Right. And my wife was like, that is what I always try to explain to you. It's like, even when he pulled the gun, you were like too safe in your like mind to realize that you were in danger. And that's what happens in this movie. I think yeah. for men, we're like, oh, I would just fucking start throwing punches and get beat up or I would beat someone up or. Sure. I mean, I, but there's... this is the thing. I don't think that's the case. Right. Right. Like, here's a really great scene in this movie. And it happens really early. But the scene when she's uh, she's got her new phone out. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Ann Dowd comes up. And she's like, oh, yeah, we sexed. Like, we sexed, right? She's talking about getting dick pics and ad pics from dudes. And Ann Dowd is just an older lady who works in a place with a lot of younger people. And she's trying to relate. She's making small talk as she does. And it's just this generational thing, right? But when she leaves, they're like, oh, my God, gross. Ew. And Ann Dowd is looking over the burger warmer. Yeah. And right there in that moment, Ann Dowd is pulled away from that girl. She's like, oh, that girl sees me as different, as other, right? And that's what I think happens in these scenarios is we always build these barriers, right? Something that protects us from the hard truth of actions. Right. And I think this movie does such a good job of watching these people build these little walls of fantasy. Because that's the thing. I read that some of the ladies were like, though, two women don't think twice and just keep punishing her. I think they do think twice, but... This is the big question in the movie is this happened at over 70 locations across the country, right? Yes. Not to this extreme, thank God. But it happened to a lot of – and this is the thing. Imagine you're working at a place like that. And kind of the, the shitty thing that people don't take into account when they start making the comments is a lot of people desperately need these jobs, right? A lot of people look down like, oh, they're fast food. Some people, man, that's, that's the job. Mm-hmm. You know, you need that fucking job. 
right? It's easier to quit a job when you make a fuckload of money and this and that. Totally. So imagine you're just doing that job and you're busy. It's been a hard day already. And someone calls and says, hey, someone stole some money. Uh, you know, start going down this road with me. Do a strip search, this and that. Imagine being – imagine just that weirdness, right? How insane is it to believe that that is a prank call? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's, that, so, yeah. it's so absurd as to right. I mean, almost seem believable. Right. I mean, you have to put your head in the mode of, too, like, being at work. Like, how often do you – I got to be honest, man. I used to work – I worked retail for a long time. I worked. Uh, I worked in clothing. I can count the number of times I got prank calls on one hand. However, and this is like another big thing too, and this is something that I was thinking about in the movie. Like my wife works retail, and uh, she's a manager at a little boutique store. And the amount of times, like I've had to drive over there before because she's felt unsafe. Like there's been like times where people have really called, there's been times people have like not really prank called her, but called her enough to make her feel uncomfortable, and she's had to like I'd had to go over there like. There's, she calls you in like Dalton in Roadhouse? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, She's like, Alex, come over here and do ballet stretches and throat rips. I mean, not to brag, but yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, pretty much you're Dalton. I'm pretty much I swayed. mean, at, at worst, you're Wade, which Listen, is still bad. <laughs> I've roughly swayed, all right? So that's... But that's the reality, a, though, is I'm absurd. not in that headspace, just like you were saying. So I'm not prepared for that. And neither is yeah. someone who's working fast food. Like, how often do people, A, call fast food restaurants, honestly? Like, and he know he knows the name of the supervisor because you can see he's doing that shit they do at like mediums. Like, oh, is your dead husband floating around the room? Right, right. Yeah. His name starts with a consonant, uh, uh-huh. and then they say, and it's like, oh, of course, yes, it's it's Reginald. I knew that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And so he's kind of he has one piece of info, and he's, you know, trailing her down this road. Yeah, and it's it's this perfect, and this is what I mean. The actors are so fuck. The cast of this movie is fantastic. It's amazing. Right? Everybody is so if good. Anything I'd say, the only thing about the acting is I think our lead actress is a little miscast. Drummer Walker. Yeah, and not even because she's bad, but because she's she's a little older. She seems a little more cynical throughout it, right? Definitely. Because that's the thing. I watched the sixty minutes interview. That girl looks like she's fucking fourteen years old, and right. this is well after the fact. Mm-hmm. She looks so fucking young, and I understand they could not have done that in this movie. Right, you I mean, absolutely could not do that, but but yeah, it, it adds just, to that because a lot of people were saying, and this is something I think it's not, it doesn't jive with what some of the psychologists were saying that I was reading, right? Where they're like, why is she just taking their orders? They interviewed this girl, and she's like, you know, my parents told me to follow orders. Once it gets far enough, it's like an out of body, horrific experience. And it just becomes this other fucking reality. And I think all of us don't realize how close we are to being on the Lord of the Flies island. Yeah. I mean, and it's fucking insane. We're all, we're all, it's like, it's amazing. Like to me, the thing that makes this movie so fascinating and truly like beyond like gender or anything like that, like the nebulous nature of authority in general is so fascinating. Yeah. Particularly for this movie because. Right. We are taught from a very early age to take authority at face value because, look, I'm a parent mm-hmm. and I expect my kid to just obey me because I'm the one who provides. Like, I'm an authority yeah. figure. I have I have dominion over him. He <laughs> lives in my house. I pay for all this. Like, that is – but that's – but think about that. Like, anybody who has kids or who has, is a parent or who has had a parent, that's a thought you have in your head is like, well, they – I tr- like, think about it. 
from an early age, you trust you like almost implicitly trust adults sometimes. Like by the time you're like six, you're oh, like, dude. this seems like bullshit. Well, your kid's not old enough yet, right? My no, he's kid not. is in like daycare and is about to start exactly. kindergarten this year. And my thing is always like, if I find out, right, this is something that like got lost, I think, in other parts of the world in America, right? Where it's like, oh, the teachers are bad guys, you know, attacking our precious student. And I was like, I'm still very much like my parents, like, you were there to learn. Mm -hmm. That teacher's got a shitty job. She doesn't make enough money. Totally. Right? So if he or she says something, you fucking listen. Absolutely. You don't fucking disrupt another student that needs to learn and has Mm -hmm. a harder time. And I'm just like, you know, even at his daycare, I'm like, I don't want you to be that fucking kid. And I'll point as we're leaving, be like, that kid. You know the kid. We all know that fucking kid. Absolutely. And, you know, my teacher, the teacher always like, oh, he's such an angel, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's good. That's what I want. That's what you want. That can be weaponized. Though. It absolutely can. And that's what this movie really is about is that deep, like saturated compliance <laughs> movie title, uh, saturated respect for authority that's yeah. in our like collective psyche is what drives yeah. us. Like, look, we all know that cops are dubious in some cases, <laughs> but by and large, like especially in smaller <laughs> towns, like I don't know that. I don't Just know about throwing you. haymakers at I mean, the boys in blue, eh? Well, no, I mean, like, for instance, you grew, up, you grew up in Indiana. I grew up in, like, a small town in Ohio. Like, by and large, I knew most of the cops in my town. Yeah. So I We used to make fun of our cop actively. He was called Fat Matt. <laughs> and we used to drive by and fuck with him. And he'd just be like, you little pieces of shit. Exactly. But, like, we, that was it. We had like, a, So we like, had a different relationship. We had a dare <laughs> officer. We had a dare officer who, like, I don't know. For those of you who are too young to remember. Oh, dare. They used to make us do these uh, drug, like anti-drug awareness classes yeah. called dare classes arnold and, was gonna help us do deep squats to defeat heroin yeah. and so the cops ran them <laughs> and i remember we walked out and it was the first time i realized like this was like actually a collect like a collective memory of me and my friends realizing oh adults are full of shit was we walked yeah. out it was in fifth grade we walked out Man, to like get picked trip? up by our parents and we see the cop car way in the corner and the officer is standing by her car smoking a cigarette talking on the phone i'm like huh well, I guess that's pretty much over. Like that's like, <laughs> that's like the, but that's like the shattering. That's that glass shattering in your mind of like. <laughs> that's well, how you judge. You're like one cigarette. <laughs> well, if it's one, you know. I mean, you know, if it's one, it's no. To me, an officer who has a hard job, they can smoke all day. Of course. If I ever saw an officer vape, I'd be like, you have no authority anymore. Well, we didn't have vapes then, but yeah. If you if you're a vaping officer, but no, I mean, this is a thing though, right? But it's true. You see these heated debates online where. You know, it's by the way, this is uh, gold, right? We try not to do politics much on the show, but one of the funniest fucking things the Internet ever did happened on Twitter today. And there was that uh, group of white lady uh, anti-vaxxer moms that got arrested in Idaho. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, someone keyed me in because I am a huge follower of black Twitter. Right. Like my, my buddy used to live with me, Robert Love. Right. And some other guys, like, early in the Twitter game, they're like, oh, there's a whole other Twitter, black Twitter. And I was like, what? And so I check in from time to time. It's way better and more funny than normal Twitter. Well, black Twitter went on a roast today because she put out a thing, right? Her lawyer, their Facebook group of anti-vaxxer moms has a lawyer. And they're like, our freedoms, our freedoms. Just because they wanted to be on a fucking playground that is closed. And a police officer's like, please just leave. Please, God, please, God, leave. Like, you can tell he doesn't want to fucking arrest these Karens. They won't listen. So one of them gets arrested, has a mugshot, and now it's like a civil rights thing, they think. Well, black black Twitter went nuts, and they're like, I'm so glad these vicious thugs are off the streets. <laughs> and they flipped it around on the, you know, 
Perfect. You know what I'm talking about. I it's do. fucking the, the galleries are amazing. Perfect. It is one of the best things that Twitter ever did. <laughs> but this is the problem though, right? It's like nowadays we see the abuse more often, right? Right. Assume because we all saw that phone. That was like one of those fucking Nokia murder weapon phones, yeah, right? Totally. So assume that this is something where you're not every day seeing, you know, bad steroid raging cops and this and that. And again, it only takes a few. That's not probably the vast majority of people, but you see that every day and you're like, oh, it's right. probably a large. It's not it's right. And so these things is so funny. Cause I actually read about this today. Right. There is a psychological study and they called it the blue dot effect. Right. Mm -hmm. So they would take these people and they'd show them 1000 blue dots and they'd have like three purples in there. Right. And you had to like tedious mind numbing. You had to pick which was which. Right. And every time they would degree decrease the amount of blues and add more and more purple. The mind is so conditioned to see blue that they would fucking miss purples all the time and say they're blue. Right. Because their mind is trained to look for blue and they call it the blue dot effect. Right. So like if they give you a sinister like, hey, tell us which job seems like it's a bad job. Right. Right. If they give you almost all good ones, you start saying, oh, that sounds dubious. That's because you're trained to think about that. Right. I don't. But imagine take that away, though. Right. This is like the opposite of that. How are you to ever imagine that someone would call with such an absurd concept? And this is, again, it's it's so anti the way we think of crimes, which is totally he's not the one getting the gratification of the assault. Right. He's not connected to the restaurant. He's not an aggrieved employee. Right. So it's just this guy bombing in from nowhere who later just is hugging a daughter, like just a normal yeah. fucking guy with a notebook who just bombs in from another state and is like, I'm going to fucking ruin lives. I think that's really hard for most of us to fucking process. I think it's very difficult to fathom someone being willing to do that. that that's, I think, the scariest right. part of the movie at large is that people's willingness to shatter lives of people they have no idea. Like, we've, we've watched yeah. for, we had a whole month of revenge movies on this podcast. <laughs> that all was justified. This is like just strange and malicious, uh, yeah. ma malicious uh, intent. So I think that's the crazy yeah. thing about this movie. And that's the thing that is most, that's the thing where you start kind of getting over the absurdity of it is when you think about how often you just sort of like relinquish authority to people because yeah. that's that, Oh, that's what they do. That's their job. Like you relinquish authority to a police officer because they're just trying to uphold the law. Are they though? Yeah, of course they are. They're police well, officers after all. Also, this comes back to what you were saying about remember when you were younger and you realized that your parents were full of shit. Yes. Like when you're young, you're like, oh, my parents know everything. And then now you have kids and you're like, oh, we're just on the fly, like praying we get this right. That's also police. That's Absolutely. also like everyone is just a person who's praying to God. They don't fuck it up. Totally. And that being afraid. And this is the thing, right? That is why we have societies, because most people want to be a part of the bigger group. We're right. very social. Right. Right. You don't want to be the one that. Like, even Kevin, right? He's like, hey, that's my friend. I know her brother, right? right? Right. The way he weaponizes these little ideas. And even Kevin is like, yeah, her brother's not a shady criminal. He's not in town. And the guy just says, hey, man, I'm an officer. Yeah. And he, he's like, oh, sorry. He's sorry, sir. You see yeah. Kevin go back to the sir. Right. And you're like, oh, my. And it, well, it is. It's just this fucking voice on the phone. And that guy, and like, this, it, that actor it's so is... It's so absurd, right? Because that's what they yeah. say, right? Like. Sometimes the best lies are a little bigger because it's like, why would someone make that up? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's like the thing, too, is the authority because 
uh, the guy I love the actor who plays the guy. His name's Pat Healy. He's a wonderful actor. He's in a he's a character actor Dude, in a ton of stuff. What a horrific turn! Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Actually, he was in a movie I watched. Uh, just came out on HBO, Bad Education, and I was like, "Oh, cool, that guy." And then I watched this, and I'm like, "Oh, Jesus, that guy." Um, the smile on his face when he realizes he's got someone. Yeah, I was like, "That is just well." To me, you're like that's like, the thing is that as an actor, you're like, "Fuck, if you could get that." Yeah. Like the it's thing, just these, it's not some evil madman thing. It's just this little like, oh my god, I found the thing. Right. Well, I think about like, oh, like there's a scene where he, um, it's the scene where Bill Camp, uh, who plays Van, um, and Dad's boyfriend, he's being told to spank, spank her for disobedience. Which, I mean, what a scene for one. Like I can't believe the movie. Like again, right. it's one of those things. You're like, what is happening in this movie? Like, of course, people would stand up in the theater and go, "This is bullshit," because this seems the, so because improbable. Because we all so desperately want to believe we always do right. Right. But imagine this. So this guy's just working. He's just out having a. And again, the movie definitely goes to lengths to make them more relatable and human than I think the real people come off as. Probably. And again, that could be biased through how the the news is portraying him for right. the story. But you are called in. You just went to work. You did a hard day's work. You're just out having beers with your friends mm-hmm. and your fiance. And you're trying to be a good dude. You're just going about your life. Says, "Hey, come in here." And this is the crazy thing: the way they they roll it out, right? Is she is asking him to do this. She's like, it's an officer. Like, the way she – because she does the same thing, and they match the tones, right? Where she's like, are you drunk? Oh, her disappointment. How many beers did you have today? Yeah. Yeah, these small – again, as a a fucking husband, I am intimately aware of the the question where you're like, ouch, that hurts. I should have done better. Yep. Right? All the time. You get that, and you're like, I'm going to do better. I'm I'm not going to fuck up anymore. And all of a sudden, so you see him, and he's like, yeah. And then she comes in just so matter of fact, like, of course, it's a cop. Do this. Guard the girl, blah, blah, blah. And so he's sitting there, and he's just like, well, she believes it. I love her. Like, you know, that is a touchstone of my life. I'm going to tie my entire life to her. Right. And she just says, do it. And then as it gets more and more absurd, I love the way – because I think this movie actually spends a lot of time on just actors and kind of a medium close. Mm -hmm, Totally. Just watching them run through the no, no, no. Right. And this is where, like – And this is the thing, like, the show we worked on you mentioned on ABC – we shared a set with Fear Factor. So I have seen some shit that you're like, no human beings would do that. And you're like, well, they do it if they were getting on TV. And you're like, oh, some of them will do it for very little money, yeah, not on TV. Way less than that. Trust me. Right? So that, and I think Evan is probably the best example because he's the one person in the movie that has no connection to the entire thing. Right. So the question with Evan becomes... So he's brought in and his fiance says, this is legit. Do it, do it, do it. Is there some subliminal part of him? Because this is what becomes fascinating near the end of the movie, right? Because when Ann Dowd walks in and it looks like they just got like caught cheating, right? Mm-hmm. And you see her turn with venom towards the young girl. And she's like, what are you doing? Why are you making this harder? Because on a, on a subconscious level, she knows, right? Yeah. She's like, oh, man, something... But she turns on her and not him. How much of this is Evan who just walked in as a normal good guy, you think, but he's taking this as a permission structure. Exactly. To do these horrible. Th- so it just gets into these really dark yeah. areas of our hearts and mind where, 
you know, it, it, it's like hostile and Saul. Like, totally. imagine someone just said, hey, here it is. I think I'm an authority figure that you are led to believe is true. Your fiance believes is true. Hey, go down the rabbit hole with me. Right. Well, and I mean, and no one's better hole. doing that with their face in this movie than Bill Camp. I mean, he's just man. Like, who would have thought that he just went on to become like the new guy? Yeah, he's so fucking good in this. movie. He's so good. And he's like, especially like when he brings up the span, when he says like she disobeyed my she disrespected my authority. You're like, he's wrestling with it in his mind. And he knows. Right. And the thing is, and this is the thing that I was like really picking up on is I'm like, man knows it's wrong, man. The, the whole yeah. time he knows what he's doing is wrong. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing that seems authoritarian or properly procedural about what's happening. He knew it yeah. was wrong. And I think that's the scary part about the movie. And the thing Absolutely. that they're trying to say a lot of the time with as things get progressively worse is like people know things are wrong when things are amiss, but they're so scared to step a toe out of line because you could lose your job. You could lose your career. You could lose but all these things. That's the Evan difference is he's not within, right? Like he's we not see within. the one cashier lady who's like, Hey man, I need this job. I'm not trying to fuck with the cops. If she did it, she did it. And that's the thing. We all believe if she's innocent, she'll get off. That's a core belief of us as Americans, right? Yep. So she's just like, hey man, I'm not trying to fuck up my night. You know, I got a job to do, blah, blah, blah. Uh, same with Kevin. He just goes back to making fries. The other manager lady, the assistant manager, she just goes back. But Evan is from without of the system, right? He is tied by his fiance. Right. Who he believes and answers to, you know, very much like a lot of us. I think we look to our wives as you are much better than me. All the Please time. help me all the time navigate adulthood. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, like I also relate to that. But he also is the one who most like him and Kevin. And this is where some of the lady audience members were mad. So like, why is it only the men that are having emotional debates? I would disagree. because I think Ann Dowd does grapple with it. She does bring the other manager into strip search because she knows something's amiss. Right. But she's taking baby steps, right? And even Kevin knows something's wrong. He's like, this is fucking crazy, fucking crazy. But he still relents as well. It's not like they're showing the men as like these great saviors, right? Right. And uh, Evan obviously is the biggest piece of shit in the movie. Totally. But this is what makes Evan scary is he is the one who is least involved in my careers on the line. Mm -hmm. uh, I work with these people. We have a structure. He doesn't know about the freeze. All the other excuses, all the other subconscious slights. And we all have a coworker we fucking hate and we think they're a bad person. Like those little things. You're like, if those were allowed to fester in a place that is separate, like I use, I, I call this fantasy the Matrix loading room fantasy, right? Where I'm always like, let's say I could, this, this is where it's going to make me sound like one of those 90s kids, right? that I had like Doc Martens and wallet chains and Marilyn Manson CDs everywhere. But I used to have that fantasy in high school classes, right? I'd go into high school classes and on the first day of class, I'd look around and you're like, let's say we go to Lord of the Flies Island. Who am I teaming up with? Cause I can dominate them. How am I going to kill that giant football player? How am I going to start breeding and making the next generation of Griffies that will rule? Who's building the huts? Like, how am I getting the coconut business started? Like that was like how I would spend like the first couple weeks of a class is like this Lord of the flies. Obviously I would be in charge. Right. How am I going to, you know, we all have this bit. And here's the thing I love in this movie about Evan and, uh, and Dowd's character, right? Evan, not Ke did I say Kevin? Evan, Evan. I, and thought, and his, everyone, I thought everyone kept calling him van. 
Evan Van. Evan Van. Okay, right. Take the e off it's it's, it's either yeah. or, right? Yeah, it's okay. a pet name. That's Ann what I, Dowd that's what I thought. Because I heard I heard Ann Dowd say it a bunch. So I'm like, I'm just gonna go with Van. Van. Well, after you watch the movie, you're like, maybe he had a van also. That fucking. <laughs> maybe that's just a little on brand maybe for that's you, the, sir. That's just the nickname. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you're watching it, and the thing that happens with Ann Dowd in the movie that I love is, like you said, she's a a manager at a place like that. Working with teenagers, you know, we don't really care that much about the job. Right. So she's dealing with shit all the fucking time. All the time. And this guy's just giving her this string of, like, little compliments. Like, look at how well you're managing this. Like, you're so helpful. You're so pro- professional. And you see how much also there is a part of any of us that there's so many of us that at our jobs, we get so little positive affirmation that when this guy is just halfway decent to her, because some of the most chilling scenes in the movie are the girl in the background in the apron being totally dehumanized. We're completely shocked and appalled at what we're watching. Mm-hmm. And Ann Dowd's just like, oh, it's Friday. It's crazy. You know, she's small talking him like he's a customer. Right. Because she's reverting to what she does in this building. And someone's being decent to her in this fucking completely mad, shitty day. And those little bits. Right. And even with Evan, it's this guy where he's like, hey. You are constantly answering to and you're, you know, all these other things, right? No one respects you. Right. You have to ask to have a few beers. Hey, what if you were this, uh, you know, macho King Conan, right? And you could punish this girl. And he's probably heard his wife talk shit about her and blah, blah, blah. And you see these little tiny permissions that what would we do if we thought we could get the fucking pass? And it, it becomes very chill. And to me. Again, I think what this movie does that makes it bulletproof and why it's such a fun piece to just watch these actors really ponder this is it really fucking happened. So all the people screaming at the screen and mad, you can fucking be like, dude, you can watch the footage. Yeah. I think that's the scariest part is that there is it's it's not just a hearsay story either. There's physical. Let me ask you this, Alex. Let me ask you this. Why take something like compliance and make it a narrative with actors and kind of recreate very truly these horrific events instead of making a documentary? What's the benefit of this version over the documentary? Well, I think it's kind of twofold. Like for one great example that I thought of when I was watching this was uh, you think about um, there's a documentary on Netflix. It's a series called Evil Genius about the pizza bomber. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That movie was adapted into a movie called 30 Minutes or Less, starring Jesse Eisenberg and Aziz Ansari. It's wait, a- wait, wait. Time out. Time out. Evil Genius is where they got the fucking yes. Aziz Ansari movie? Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not. Look it up. It is that. That is the idea from the movie. Like, I... Wait, I just got the vapors. Is it the the Puppet Master wine? What is it? Are you fucking kidding me? No. You, you read the story of Evil Genius and you're like, this is an Eisenberg and sorry joint. No, I actually knew that because <laughs> they said it was loose. What? When, when it happened, when the movie, okay, so because the, the documentary came out like two years ago, I think, maybe a year ago. And yeah. the movie came out a long time ago. Right. It was before Jesse Eisenberg was like Jesse Eisenberg, you know? So. What the fuck? That blows my mind. I remember reading it was loosely based on this case. <laughs> and like, well, that ended a lot more tragically. And like, if you read the story, like, because I never read Which the one, Evil 30 Genius. minutes or less. <laughs> like, so, and that's, I think, is so 
I would look at that as a great example of, cause like, I don't know when that movie came out, but when you think about it, stories like this can be trivialized so easily by skewing facts and changing things that might work a little better for your narrative, depending on what kind of movie you're making. So right. why not make a documentary? Well, for one documentaries, there might be an abundance of footage, but you might also not have access to your subjects. Like, I'm sure that woman does not want to be interviewed for the billionth time about what a huge piece of shit she yeah, is. I was going to say, apparently she got interviewed a fuckload right, right after that. <laughs> so why wouldn't I you? I watched a bunch of her interviews. But if you want to make a movie about this, but if you want to make, if you want to make a movie about this and you want to make it thrilling and you want to make it compelling, but also truthful and honest to the to a fault, then you cast actors like Ann Dowd and Dremel Walker and Bill Camp yeah. and you and Pat Healy and you say, I'm going to make this movie as true to fact as possible, but still dramatize it with people that are recognized from other things. So while right. they're still taken outside of the, oh, it's a movie, like there's still that nebula, there's still that nebulous of like, oh, it's a movie. There's the there's yeah. the cellulose guarantee of like, well, it's just a movie. It's OK. It's still based on true. Yeah, events, I think. But these are true. It's true weird because. Yeah, we've gotten to the point in documentaries where we want it to be vile and crude. and Totally. Like, I started on Netflix. Someone's like, oh, you should watch uh, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. That's a great <sighs> documentary. I got one episode in, and I was like, I'm not going to know anything or be able to help people based on this. No. And it just it, it made me feel so fucking filthy and violated, right? Totally. Because you're just listening to this fucking horror show and these nurses that are, like, wrecked forever. And I was like, this is the classic problem with some documentaries to me where it's you're trying to give me this fucking, oh, look at how evil this is. Ah. Right. And guy under the guise of, oh, we're going to change the world with this documentary. It's like, no, you're just like using this kid to get my fucking eyeballs. And it felt repulsive. And I, I pulled back from that, man. And I think we've gotten to the point now documentaries have to be so fucking wild. Right. The thing I like about this, right, is like I said, when I watch the interviews, the, the manager of the McDonald's seems so wildly unsympathetic. Uh, the guy, they never interviewed him. They're just like, yeah, he's a fat exterminator. Like, he was going to do this eventually, right? Like, that's how they're portraying him. Right. In this movie, you get these actors where it's like, hey, can you walk between both? Make it believable to us that someone who we like, like, and out at the start of the movie, you really sympathize with. Of course. I think... And that's the weird. I don't know if I did the first time I saw it because I was in my 20s. And I was like, oh, that's a bitch ass manager. Right. You know, I hate managers. And she even says the thing like it was I had this manager and I actually liked the guy. He was kind of cool. It's like we worked in a movie theater. So it was a lot of like art kids and, you know, whatever. And he was like a bro, like a real bro, bro. Right. Motorcycles and all that. And he kind of spotted me early as like, oh, this guy plays sports. At least I can talk to him like a bro. And I was like, yeah, right on, man. Ended up being a real nice guy, but he was like the classic would just like come walking through the lobby, right? Big dick energy. And it's like, bro, you're managing a movie theater, son. And he just went, you got time to lean? You got time to clean. And every other person on planet Earth that ever said that to me, I fucking hate with a passion, right? And so in my younger age, you're like, fuck Ann. But as you get older, you're like, oh, I get it, dude. Like, that yeah. is a shitty job. You have to ask someone to do tedious shit for very little money, like, you start to understand. And Ann Dowd is just this never-ending, uh, you know, lighthouse in this fucking storm of shittiness. Right. You're just like, she still always seems decent. She and that is like the staggering moment is at the end when they recreate the 60 Minutes interview. She still seems charming, and you believe her a bit more as a victim than the real-life lady. Yeah. I think that, that part of the 
the art of the movie, it lets us go deeper into the emotional, ethical debate of the film. Yeah. I mean, because in a documentary, we're just going to have these people telling us, I thought I was doing right. Right. I think there's something like, I don't know. I think, I think there's something more powerful watching Ann Dowd actually act the fuck out of that struggle. Absolutely. I mean, like, and like that scene particularly, like the recree of that interview is so fascinating because yeah, Ann Dowd is still, and doubt is still somehow sympathetic. Like she can, she was so subservient to authority the entire time when she herself would, could be an authority figure. She herself could have taken the reins of the situation said, yeah, I'll call you back and let you know. Like she could have done a number of things. So there's so yeah. many of these great little what ifs that come mm-hmm. together in that final interview. And you can see it written all over her face. She's like, I could have done, I could have done something. I didn't. I chose to yeah. just assume that someone was doing the right thing. And I think that's like the danger and that's the fear of that comes through in a movie like compliance is that the fear of someone, the fear of not doing the right thing in the face of someone who feels like they're the ultimate in authority and rightness. That is like, that is true. That's truly, ta- yeah. that's truly dangerous. You know why too? Because not just because of this inherent quality of us as children, but also think about school history. Like we've learned yeah. from so many options. We've learned from so many different stories that going against authority causes problems. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's the way society has to function, Absolutely. right? It's how, do, how it's, do we, it's keep impossible. The masses, not to. I mean, it's why Netflix exists. It's why tiger King exists is to keep us all quiet and in line. Because we used to make that joke, sadly, before we saw the finale of Game of Thrones. We were like, I wouldn't be a terrorist if I knew Game of Thrones hadn't ended. I want to see how that shit ends, right? You're like, if you just give every terrorist, you know, air conditioning and Roku boxes with HBO, (laughs) they'd rather watch the end of Game of Thrones, right? Right. And so I think that the opiate of the masses thing is true. What I think is, what I think the big problem, too, and why I think this actually, I like it more as a movie than a documentary Like, we see this with Tiger King, right? You saw a lot of this after that came out where they're like, oh, they intentionally tried to make the boyfriend more rednecky. They told the girl to have her stump out, you know? Like, they were trying to play up these caricatures so much. Sure. And, you know, they're trying to play so that we watch in a documentary, like, instantly, oh, we know Joe Exotic and everyone who worked there. They're trash people. Right. They're eating out of dumps. And without getting a lot of the human story behind these other characters, right? Just so that we could do this, you know, hit on insane Joe Exotic and guaranteed 100% murderer Carol. Right. Right? They just kind of do these big caricatures. Right. With this movie, we are able to create these kind of avatars that we can all so emotionally latch onto. Yeah. Where Ann Dowd is not just the, can I talk to your manager stereotype Midwestern lady that we hate. We actually can follow her on this journey, and we, the audience, can experience what it's like to be duped in this way. Totally. In a way that I don't think documentaries would cover as well. No, I don't think they would either, and I also think that – I think the fact that we know what's going on the whole time is key. Because if we think this is real – if we think this is real, I think that puts us a little too further – too deep in the driver's seat. I think the important thing about compliance – is that, I do wonder if they could have pushed it down the movie, though. 
They could have. I mean, like I thought that through. I was watching. I was like, how long does it take for that? Like, how long could I have gone without them revealing that this is bullshit? Yeah, because in a way, you need to know that this really happened, or else you're going to be screaming at the screen like right. other screen test audiences. Right. You really know that. You really need to know that this is a true story. So yeah, that's why that giant card pop based on true events. Don't yell at the movie theater screen. <laughs> but I mean, that is like I think the more interesting given the movie is that all of us knowing from what do you say like 20 25 minutes into the movie that this is bullshit that like well we see the ginger hair guy right at the start right but we don't fully we don't know, know yeah. that he's like the caller right so but you could i mean if you're a smart audience member and you snap that up like why are they showing this fucking guy for no reason? Right. I mean, you, you could, could put that together within the first like three minutes of the movie. Sure. So you could put two and two together fairly quickly. But my, yeah. I feel like the conceit of doing that is, I mean, I, it's interesting. Like it's almost, it's almost so you scream at the at the movie screen. So you scream yeah. at your TV because when you think about it. If you don't know, this just seems like a horribly cruel joke. Think about like a movie like Phone Booth, which I don't think is a particularly good movie, oh, but like yeah. we all know that that guy is gonna fucking we we know he'll he'll shoot Colin Farrell, like. But we've only seen like certain aspects. We've never like fully seen him, right. but we know he has a gun locked on Colin Farrell. Right, but that movie plays is absurd. Yeah, obviously, there's, this movie, this is this is meant this to be true. Events. So personal because I think. A lot of audience members deep down inside hate to admit it, but they know that they wouldn't rock the boat. Man. I think like, people, I worked. That's exactly when I, what when I came back to the Midwest. I had this office job is the fucking worst. And I just worked with all these older people, man. You just saw them beating the fuck down. Like some of them are like, yeah, we worked here for like 35 years. They were so like all day. They would bitch about our job bitch about and then as soon as our manager would walk over hey and you're like hey what what happened we're gonna fight the power like i was making you rage against the machine mixtapes what's up and it's like they just admit because they're just fucking browsing just, man yeah. and that that happens you know and this is the other thing in the movie i i wanted to get to before we wrap up because again i think it should go with that i think we made it abundantly clear. i think this is a psychological thriller of the highest order, yeah. right? Because I think all of us have a lot of harder questions to answer. Right. Uh, I think we're seeing that more and more today, right? That we're, we ever are comfortable answering. Uh, a lot of people were mad about the nudity in this movie. Uh, potentially, too, because, again, the girl, as I said in the real interview, looks like she's 12 years old, right. 14, whatever. Uh, instead, they cast an actress who is attractive, a little older, and it feels exploitative right i think that's how people are phrasing it is like why are they just making us see her naked body this and that there's a shot in the movie that i think kind of explains some of this to me there's this shot and i think it's i can't remember exactly when the moment happens but i think it is the jumping jack scene somewhere in there right where we first start to see this kind of or no maybe it was the take your panties off too yeah the camera pulls back, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's framed behind these shelves of condiments and shit. And it kind of scans past the condiments. And you're like, all right, this is an exploitative film. Why are you not just showing me the tits? Like, show me the tits. Show me the full frontal. Show me the jumping jacks. And the movie doesn't do that, right? Right. In this moment, we pull way back and we gently pan across. It's kind of that Henry Voyeur ghost shot, right? 
we jiff through the back and in the foreground there are shelves there's Ann Dowd there's the other manager and in the background we see some boobs right the least sexy boob reveal of all time in a movie right like just a horrific scene that we do not want to be a part of right but I think that is important because it's showing us this hey you the audience you could potentially be in this room participating you fucking voyeuristic pieces of shit totally and i think it's also yelling at us as hey you're saying this now you would watch this documentary you would watch that fucking footage if someone sent it to you unblurred right i mean don't fucking think you're better than these people right and i think that's what the movie is doing is it's fucking branding our eyes with yeah this is fucking hard to watch and you're watching it. Yeah, I think so that's don't exactly hold what it yourself is. above. <laughs> I think that's the driving force of the entire movie is the accusatory nature of the viewer. That's the thing that's oh, probably man. the most interesting about uh, the presentation itself is that, particularly with the nudity, it's begging you to ask for more. And you're like, oh, but what if I, I didn't get to see that part? And you're like, well, are you a fucking pervert? Can't you just make yeah. it up? You ever seen a naked person? Cool. You're done. Yeah. Like, oh. It's, it's repulsive nudity, which is. is weird because she's not an unattractive lady. No, but it's terrible. But you're like, the situation, you know, the, it's, and again, I grew up as a guy when we were younger. Oh, you did? Any movie that had boobs, you're like, oh, yeah, boobs, right? It was very much South Park, like, oh, that movie's got boobs? Absolutely. Yeah, we used to watch Baywatch just for running. Like, that was a thing that happened to guys our age. That was, yep. like, a, we used to watch Roger Rabbit because of a fucking cartoon with boobs we rented you know like that was a real ordeal we rented titanic <laughs> for my birthday simply so we could see kate winslet topless yeah that yeah, was like i will watch this fucking behemoth of a flick just to see some some boobs just to like, see some you know boobs yeah boobs and this is saying not proud hey, of it. that whole thing you spent your whole adult movie going or not adult more adolescent you know male movie going experience Here's what you want. Do you still like it? And you're like, no, I don't. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> this is where and you like go in the corner and flagellate that. yourself. Like, you suck. Yeah. You suck. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, though. That that scene in particular becomes this really interesting moment in the film mm-hmm. where very much like the managers and the coworkers, we don't turn it off. Nope. We don't leave. Exactly. And if you're sitting through this, you as an audience member get a little extra connection to that. Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. A lot of people would let this happen. But the connection is you are yourself kind of culpable. I think that's really the most fascinating exactly right. psychological yeah. thing is you yourself are implicated. It's, it's one like, of the well, only shots that because. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't stop ahead, sorry. it. But that's exactly what it is. You're like, well, I didn't stop it either. I guess I'm part of, partly a monster. Right. Like, Because a lot is. of the movie is medium to close ups of yep. actors just fucking acting. Right. Yeah. This is like a, a an actor boner flick, right? We're like, man, these motherfuckers can act, <laughs> right? And then there's just this this ghostly shot of like, you fucking creep, you fucking piece of shit, hiding back there behind the fucking extra pickles. I see you, you motherfucker. You're like, don't look at me, I'm hideous. It. I thought it was a wild. Like I saw that shot, and I was like, oh man, he's pointing the finger at me. It's just brutal it's amazing man it's a it's a pressure but that's what i mean i i don't think this movie is exploitative i don't either a lot of the criticisms of it is that the women don't get a fair shake and i actually think the managers in this movie are really relatable man yeah again what they end up doing is a horrific thing right yeah but i don't think they're portrayed as horrific 
monsters. And I don't think Anne Dowd is portrayed as a dumbass. No, she's... You know, I think, again, it's just you're caught in this surreal moment and she made the wrong choice. It's a surreal thing where you have to... Yeah, like, you're not making the right choices when someone asks you these kinds of questions because you have the... It's the, like, authority sandwich of, like, your boss, the cops, and then you have to be... Then it's you. Like, look, I'm a production manager and, like, I have to make a lot of split-second decisions and I'm like, what if I made the wrong decision? There's a ton of times... Yeah. And th- like that is like not even close to being as important as what happened in this movie. So I can't even no. imagine the right. mindset you'd have to have of like my boss, the cops. And now I have to be the one who make the right decision. Do I just tell the cops to fuck right. off? That's after ill-advised. just a major fuck up happened. Absolutely. <laughs> like, but that's, that's where, that's where this is better to me than the documentary. Totally. Because the documentary we come in, we know all the fucking answers. And a lot of the backstory is like, oh, here, like Evil Genius, here's a monster. Well, she was a monster from the time she got her first bubes. Right. And she knew she could use them against men to make them be evil. Evil, evil, bubes, evil, right? Like, that's like a lot of true crime stories, yeah. right? It's like Black Widow. Every woman's a Black Widow. They knew what they could do with bubes. It's like, yeah, everyone's known that forever. Yeah. Men are pretty fucking easy to be led by the snap. Men are dipshits. Right? Know this it. movie says Anne Dowd is a really relatable person. She is. Right? And again, she fucks up in a big, bad way. But also, every other person fucks up until the maintenance guy comes in for a milkshake and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. But he's like, what, the sixth person we see interact? Yeah. And he's the first one. So and I, I think it's men, I think it's women. I think the absurdity and it's it just it ha- again, I, I look back to Lord of the Flies and what this is saying is that most people, right, despite what we think, right? Most of us are like, I am the hero of my own story. I forge my own destiny. Most of us just want to wake up, go to work, not get yelled at, not be singled out. Not have the thing, right? We don't want the journey. We don't want the quest. We don't want the fucking finger pointing at us. Right. And I think what this movie does really well is says, hey, man, these are actual fucking relatable human beings, right? They're not less than in a fucking fast food place. They're not, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. This is Anne Dowd. She's a great fucking actress walking you through. Again, Evan, huge piece of shit that maybe they shouldn't have humanized as much. I don't know. But I think the fact that he did what he did is proof that they're not humanizing him too much. True. I think being mad at the fact that the girl goes through with it is wildly stupid and not in line with psychological uh, thinking. Yeah. And I, again, I just I'm fascinated by any movie that says, hey, man, pull us away from our day to day and our safety nets. And how fucking fast are we willing to fuck up? And that's what I think this movie does exceptionally well. Yes. 100%. Brilliant. It is. Amazingly well acted, amazingly written, amazingly directed and shot. A lovely film, if not cringy, to say the least. Lovely? I'm not sure I would say lovely, but cringy for sure. Cringy in the best way? Right. No, I'm with you. This reminds me, I said this quote on a show recently, I'll say it again, right? Albert, is it Camus or Camus, right? The famous writer. Camus. Yeah, so Albert Camus, I don't know if that's right. I don't like, my American tongue hates that. It's right. Albert Camus. Al, won't say Al, <laughs> Albert Camus. That sucks. That can't be real. <laughs> what a pretentious dick. No wonder he has great quotes. So Albert Camus once said, 
that fiction is where uh, we tell lies so we can understand difficult truths. And that, to me, is what this movie is. That and is I love stories like this. Yeah, I love stories like that where it's like, you think you're great, right? And we're seeing this in a lot of places in today where it's like, hey, man, how close are we to, you know, the heart of darkness, man? And I, I think this movie does that really well. All right, guys. That's it for Compliance and Albert Camus. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We have one more movie in the pot is held captive theme. Oh, boy. Black Snake Moan. Again, a little more difficult than we imagined, but uh, an amazing flick. So join us for that Thursday. Uh, next month, we'll resume our normal schedule. We have a, uh, a theme planned of the pod edits, edits genetics. The pod edits genetics. We're going to dive into some amazing Gene Splicing movies. The only one that's 100% lock is Man's Best Friend because that's a top five movie of all time. Splice. We all know it. We all know it. Oh, and Splice. Yeah, that was fucking amazing. <laughs> this is hard because every theme we pick, you're like, fuck, there's like 50 amazing movies yeah. I want to do. We've also done but We'll get down to it. Right. Yeah, we also, next month, we have some really good films uh, that were going to hit theaters or did that are now hitting uh, video on demand. Yep. Uh, most notably The Lodge, which I'm super fucking so yeah, for. So you can expect to see some of those coming out along with the theme. Uh, we have some guests lined up for double features. Me and Alex are out on the hunt looking for guests to come join us for some fun shows. Hell yeah. Uh, as always, please leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcast app. Follow us on all the social medias. Email the show at uh, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. And again, if you want to watch these beautiful faces, that make these sultry-ass voices. Uh, follow us on YouTube. That's Nerd Alchemist, plural, with an S at the end. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Green. I'm Alex Dandino. <laughs>